This is the Podfecta Podcast, the official podcast of the Podfecta Podcasting Conference. I'm David Hooper. This is the Q&A from our storytelling and journalism panel at Podfecta Nashville 2018. Three people are involved. Jacob Lewis started as a podcaster but got picked up by radio. There's more on that in this Q&A. His podcast and radio show, it's called Neighbors. Mariba Knight, she's got a background in journalism. Her podcast, it's called The Promise. It's a story of gentrification. Also, Joshua Moore. His background is in poetry. His podcast is called Versify, and it's part traditional storytelling. It also includes poets that take those stories and turn them into poetry. You started as a podcast. Am I right about this? As a podcast? Without radio. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get him to talk about that for a second, about going from podcasting to radio, because now you're on broadcast radio, but you're also a podcast as well. Can you talk about the difference in how you got that gig? Uh... Sure. Um, how did I get that gig? I started, I made something that was like really terrible. And then I went to, I went transom.org. They have a school. So that's what I went to, to kind of learn and then started making my podcast. I had talked to Nashville public radio for like a year and a half. And the, the general sentiment was like, yeah, we want to work with you, but we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to make it work. Um, so I was kind of in a position where I had to make something up. I just told them, here's what I think a partnership would look like. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so we struck up a partnership, and um, it's basically just a contract agreement of I have to deliver so many episodes. The only like on-air thing that I actually do is we – and do you do this? Yeah, you do excerpts, and you do radio versions. We, we uh, Well, I, I cut down episodes and make five-minute and five-minute 24.9-second versions – of my uh, stories, which I, I hate doing. I hate it. But it's a good, it's a good like exercise to do because, you know, you, you talked about like being a poet and like not feeling like things are precious and not wanting to take them down. Um, another maxim is like edit ruthlessly. Like you have to have your time where you create and just go for it, but then switch that off and just be so mean to your your work and just rip it apart. Um, but yeah, so kill I make... all your darlings. Yeah, kill your darlings, shoot your puppies in the face, whatever saying you need. Um, and if it helps, one, one idea, if you have a hard time shooting your puppies in the face, you can make what's called a puppy pen. A lot of audio editors have a little clipboard and you can take all the things you love and just put them in the puppy pen. Mm-hmm. So they're there, but they're not actually there. Two questions. One, um, with the, the microphone you wear around your neck, do you then have one for your the, the other person? Oh, sorry. That's my audio recorder that I wear around my neck. Yeah. It has a built-in microphone, but I'm not using that. It's I have a, a cable, you know, um, that connects to my microphone. So it's like I have the actual recording device where I can see the time codes. Uh-huh. I can see if it is recording. It's very critical. important. Always triple check Listen, that, that hap- like with those small morances i don't like those because you can't see the screen clearly i need really big numbers that are like ticking away that i can like look at um so that's my recorder that i wear around my neck and then i have um my mic and then i have a bag that has like a mic like i can it's what like a holster but do you have two mics no yeah. i don't have two mics so i have a mic in my bag if i need to switch my mic they're getting picked up from your mic then, all it's that. A, it's a, yeah. It's a 
this. Yeah. So like the clip I didn't play was actually um, the end of that day with Big Man, where um, a detective comes to question him, and the detective. Um, so it was a little tense. They did not want me recording, but I did anyway. Always record. Um, and so that was like, you know, basically I'm running around to make sure like this detective is like, what'd you see? I'm like making sure I'm in the right place because big man's sitting on a stoop and the detective is there with a pen and paper. And I'm like, do, 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 do like this, just back and forth. I, like, so I'm subtle. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Well, actually it's a, it's a shotgun. So it's pretty good. So I'm just like, yeah, it's super directional. Yeah. <laughs> I got it though. <laughs> the other question was when you, you referred to audiogram, is that a program or were you just refer- referencing Instagram and audio and smush it together to make something? Yeah, somebody quick? came up with that name. It's not a program, but there okay. are um, some websites and different ways to use video editing software. There, there's like tutorials online. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I figure I'd yeah. do it just like I do my podcast, but yeah. I didn't know if y'all were using a specific no. program. Okay, cool. I'll also say that the having one mic, having one mic is way e- easier to edit than having you know two. It's just there's just one thing to worry about. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you talked about uh, cross cross promoting uh, with like podcasts. How did that go with the competitive nature of podcasting these days? Like, I mean, we do a video game pop culture podcast. If we go to another one. I can see them going, well, who are you and what, you know, why? Oh, that's a really good point. I, I actually didn't feel like there was any competition. It was kind of like rising tide lifts all boats, you know? Um, and we just were like super jazzed about each other's work. So, or at least I was like, I really like your podcast. I think you might like my podcast. <laughs> You've never heard it, but, um, so I didn't, yeah, there wasn't really that sense of competition. It was like, let's just promote really good work. So I don't know whether it's like, you going to exactly the same product or going to a product that feels related but not in direct competition yeah. to yours, like that might be the way to do it. Um, so this is kind of an open-ended question because I'm sure that it's different for all of you guys, but since you guys have so much tape and you record over so long, what is your kind of organizational, um, I guess, habits as far as when you guys are uh, listening to your tape back, like you do it immediately and then cut it up and then save it later and then kind of go back to it towards the end when you're putting it together? I just wanted you to kind of kind of know what your guys' process is for that. Do you want me to just start? Because I have so much tape, so let me just say. Um, So usually, I mean, you have a lot of tape, but when you're so immersed in a project, I know what tape I like, right? So I'm like, I know that today was a really good day, and I got a really good scene, and so I'm not going through listening to all that tape. After the fact, I may be like, oh, I need ambient, or I need a little soundscape. What's ambient? Oh, ambient is ambient sound. It's like just natural environmental sound that you layer under stuff to smooth out cuts or to create a, a pop of of environmental sound that kind of pulls you in. Kids playing, um, someone yelling across. You know, like I I had a lot of that that I wanted to go back and find that um, maybe I didn't mark in my. But I also will say that on my Marantz, there's a mark tool. That is amazing. So you press it and it marks it and it'll mark it on the file. So that's really, really helpful because I'm like, ooh, that was good. Let me mark it. And so that's one thing is I mark as I as I'm taping. But the other thing is that I know kind of what tape I'm really want gonna want to use. And so uh, only some of the stuff do I actually transcribe. Very like I would say maybe 20% of my tape am I transcribing. I use Trint, which is like a It's 20 hours. 
Yeah, 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 I know. That's why Just I 20% use Trent. of your tape. Yeah. What's so, Trent? So Trent is something that's actually really kind of a lifesaver. Um, it is this new transcription service that's very affordable. As we all know, the transcription can be really expensive because it's so tedious. But this is a software that they've figured out. And, and it's great. So you upload your file really quickly it transcribes it and i gotta say it does really really well um now with my tape frankly a lot of the there was a lot of accents there was a lot of slang there was a lot of you know um different kinds of words used like i guess slang would be the word too but so but and it was relatively good with it but all i needed to do was kind of go through all that tape be like i know around where the scene is that I wanted because I had in my mind. And so I was only, and you can go in and transcribe and it plays it as you're like, you press the space bar and it starts playing it and you can like, like looking at a word doc, looking at a word and you can correct as it's playing. So I kind of would go through and I would only transcribe what I knew I wanted. And then you can export, you can highlight the sections and then you can export it as a word file as a word document. So that was like, I saw timestamps with times it puts in the timestamps. It's like amazing. So that was a lifesaver. So I used that and, and that was really kind of how I wrangled my tape was just kind of like knowing marking, knowing what I wanted and then kind of targeted, targeted transcription. Yeah. What is the name of that? Trint, T R I N T.com. And it's very affordable. It's like, $12 $12 for an hour of tape or you can buy packages which is about 10 times cheaper than it usually is for an hour of tape. It's still 12 bucks though. So what's one thing that you guys have learned about podcasting that you didn't know when you started and given also the kind of personal nature of all three of your shows, what's something about people or humanity that you didn't know when you started that you know now? Josh, you should start. Yeah, I think I was surprised by how open people are willing to be on mic um, if you give them the opportunity to sort of share something from their life. Um, we get a lot of tape that is often too hot to use, honestly. And, and by that, I mean like too emotional or too divulgent or just like too sort of challenging to grapple with. Um, but that there is something really rewarding for the person talking and like the person listening to have that exchange, even if we can't necessarily use it. Um, so what I didn't realize is like some of the best tape you might like might not show up in your show. Um, but also that like people will give you what you need if you let them, like if you give them the opportunity. I kind of have the same thing. I, I'm always surprised by what people will tell you and when you're willing to sit down and listen to their story, how much they'll, re- like how far they'll really go. They'll really take you there. Um, but also I think one of the, you know, coming from print, one of the surprising things for me was just like how much time goes into making these things. Um, there's just a whole other, you know, level of production that goes into making a podcast versus writing a long narrative story. So, um, yeah, but the power of the human voice is un- unbelievable, right? I mean, it just conveys so much more than you can ever do on a written page. So that was kind of mine. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of anything original to add to that. It just takes a whole lot of work and, um, and it's so iterative, and I think, I mean, that that first draft thing was a big realization to me, um, that it's it's necessary to suck. Um, 
it's it's necessary. And I think sharing widely. I mean, I think we all, you know, one thing sometimes you want to keep your work close, but I think with audio, one of the key things is to actually have a lot of people listen to it because yeah. things hit your ear in different ways depending on what you're bringing to it. Yeah. And so I I feel like I rely on a a vast array of of listeners as I'm editing much more than when I was working in print it was a little bit more contained or much more contained so and and I would add to that um I have you done group edits before yes have you sweat lodge yeah so like if like sitting in a room with two or three other people listening to something at the same time is very telling cuz I have the things that are so precious to me and the things that quite honestly like I was in the room and so I I saw the yellow cat or whatever that they can't hear and it's just not even in their brain and I I think that it's that a certain atmosphere is being conveyed and it's just completely lost on them but then they laugh at this one thing and I'm like oh I I I feel that too I feel that in this context and so that human element of getting that real time feedback is uh, incredibly invaluable I, I stole it. <laughs> I stole it. <laughs> okay. All right. no, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess ultimately, like, I've got two questions, and they're kind of drastically different. All oh, right, right. Okay. 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 We'll just, do, we'll just do the one. As far as yeah, I can. <laughs> how do you how do you come up with the questions? Like, like I guess like when you're. Yeah talking to people and coming up like I know sometimes it's just recording the audio but how do you tweak your questions or do you come prepared with a list and then as you go through and realize that like what what in your mind helps you click into other questions to ask I'll just say I I always come with an outline based on that pre-interview of points that I want to hit and most of my interview is and then what and then what? Um, and that, and I try to, I do that until I get to this moment where I, I, I can feel my shoulders relax. Like we've gotten there, um, and that's usually an hour and a half, unfortunately, for me. I actually don't really come up with questions unless I know it's the only time I'll get to interview someone. So if it's like a big public official or like I just have a finite amount of time and I know I got to hurt hit certain points, for me because so many of the interviews that I do are just ordinary people that aren't used to being interviewed and I'm it's happening in real time with things that are you know events that are circulating around us usually what I do is I actually always ask I don't like to formulate my questions as like how did it feel when that happened to you or like what was the worst moment in your life or the best moment in your life I like to formulate them as telling me a story so if they can if I frame it as like tell me how the day started you know, like people are much better and you'll get much better tape if they're spinning a narrative for you instead of being like, yeah, that sucked. Yeah, I was scared. Like they'll start to use all these like words that mean nothing and tell you nothing. Like some people are very self-reflective and that's great, but most people are not. So I usually just like to have them tell me a story. So whatever information I'm trying to get, I, I kind of back it up and I think, what's a story they could tell me that might get me to that information? Yeah, I would say similarly, um, the poets conduct the interviews for our show, so we're like very dependent on their ability to ask leading questions and engage. So we do training sessions actually beforehand where we kind of teach them the basic mechanics of interviewing and like 
prime them with sort of questions to ask. But we also give prompts to our storytellers sometimes, like if they come up and they don't know what they want to say because it is very off the cuff, we'll have like a framing mechanism that kind of helps them zero in on the story that they want to tell. And that's been the most effective actually for us. Cool. Um, So when you're interviewing people or you know who you want to interview, how do you get their consent? Is it in writing or is it like as a follow-up? Do you kind of break down what information you'd be asking them about beforehand or how do you go about getting their permission? So for us, we actually have release forms that all of the participants sign like right away and it just kind of for lack of a better word, indemnifies us and it means that like we're in the clear. Sorry. So for us, we have release forms that are um, just to be frank, legally binding so that like we can use the audio in any sort of format afterward, which is not to be cagey, but we just want to make sure that like we're protecting the project and that we're very upfront with the storytellers so that they know what they're getting into. Um, And the poets always sort of retain the rights to their work as well. So we try and get that out of the way right away for our project. I don't use release forms at all. I've used them. I, I've used them occasionally when I've done stories about children, um, and maybe it's a very touchy. You know, it's a really sensitive issue. Um, but even in this podcast, I did interview a lot of kids, or I talked to a lot of kids, like big man's children. But he knew that I was there. That he was okay with it. You know, um, and so most of the time for me, it's just about like I'm there so much that they know. And that I always, when I was a print reporter, I had a rule where I always had my notebook out. I never didn't have my notebook out. And same goes for like when I'm, even though I'm not recording, I always have my gear. It's like, I always want to remind people, I'm here because I'm a reporter. Like, I care about you, I'm your friend, but I'm doing my job and I'm a reporter. So it's like constantly reminding people like why you're there so that they're not, they don't feel like, you're hoodwinking them or you were some undercover something, you know. So I'm just kind of really upfront about what I'm doing all the time. And I'll just add, I always tell people, I point them to uh, another episode of the show and say, listen to this just to get an idea. Especially if it's like I'm cold reaching out to somebody. Um, like, hey, this is kind of how it works. Just so they have an idea. Yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah, thank you. This is fantastic. That was the Q&A session from the Storytelling and Journalist panel at Podfect in Nashville 2018. You heard from Jacob Lewis of Neighbors Podcast, Mariba Knight of the Promise Podcast, and also Joshua Moore. His podcast is called Versify. For more information on Podfecta, how to attend an event in your area, how to organize an event in your area, go to podfecta.com. If you want to reach out to me, David Hooper, you can do that via my website, bigpodcast.com. I've got a form you can fill out. The message goes directly to me. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you at a Podfecta event soon.